from a multitude of top secret, highly secure locations throughout South Texas. This is the podcast that theoretically is taking the country by storm. It's the Spurs Insider with Jeff McDonald, Tom Orsborne, and Nick Talbot. I am Mike Finger. And speaking of booming successes, the local cagers are coming off their biggest victory of the season so far they went i believe three and one since our last podcast i asked the group how are they doing it well first of all i think our podcast is taking the the country by by drizzle not not storm but drizzle <laughs> i said theoretically it's possible uh, what, it's possible what? that it could be a storm you can't disprove this yeah, that's a good point well i probably could but i don't want to um what do I think about the local cagers? What was most heartening about last night is watching the old guys get after it uh, against Portland. Four, uh, four 30-somethings with, with 20 points, which is something that's never happened in Spurs history and doesn't happen all that often in NBA history. The, the last time it happened was a Houston Rockets team that had a bunch of Hall of Famers, Drexler and Akeem and Chuck and uh, the great Ken Willis. Willis. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, if, you know, as 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 someone such as myself who recently turned 30, it made me feel better about, you know, about my uh, oldness. One thing I've noticed is we're 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 getting into some pretty um, esoteric type records for these Spurs these days. Uh, most most pretty, players. Uh, shout out to Jordan. Most, most players over 30 scoring 20 points. I believe Patty Mills set a record for most three pointers off the bench for one team. And these these are great records, but they require some pretty uh, creative research to get to them. All all positive steps, though. Um, and I do think while we poke fun at you being much older than thirty, and at I, I just turned thirty like thirteen years ago. That's true. Um, I was, that the party was unbelievably memorable. Um, anyway, Chuck E. Cheese has never been the same. Exactly. The, See, the fact that this team that was all about a youth movement and about building for the future is setting this record. I think, what, what did you say? It was the first time in 20 years in the league that that's happened with, with, with four over 30 players scoring 20 points. Um, Technically, I think almost 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. Obvious. 1998. 1998. So that's, yeah, that's almost 23 years uh, back when Jeff was 10, I believe. Um, is it a good thing? I, I, I guess we could start there. Is it a good thing that the 30-year-olds are doing this this much for this team that was supposed to be about the youth? It probably does not contradict what they're doing. This is just a game where they're getting contributions from old guys in addition to um, all of the games where the Lonnie Walkers and Keldon Johnsons and DeJounte Murrays have kind of carried some load every now and then. I think right. The old guys aren't aren't carrying this load every night. No. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I mean, they're not carrying the load every night, and it's just it's something that needs to happen if they're going to make the playoff. Because you got to get country. This isn't a team with any superstars on it. This isn't LeBron James, Anthony Davis. It's going to have to be contributions from everyone. Um, I guess and you need it from Marcus Aldridge, and you need it from Demar. Um, yeah. Almost every night, but you need the young guys to step up, and they've done that, and they've shown they can do that. So I don't see this happening on one night. This random event happening on one night is an indicator of anything that's going to be bad for this team. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. The main thing is that the oldest guy Aldridge had 22. I mean, that's, that's what they need to see more than anything is him getting off to a fast start. Like he did, uh, did last 
yesterday. He does play well in it's, Portland. It's still, it's still a good mix, too. I mean, they have seven guys averaging double figures, which is most in the league, I believe. Four of them are the old farts, and, you know, they've still got three 20-somethings in that mix, too. So it's it's a good mix that I think they've got going. I think it's um, it's kind of what they've been looking for. And um, this is kind of a, a moment in this in the schedule um, to to kind of take stock of of what we've seen so far from this team. And through fourteen games, this has not been what anyone would have considered to be the easy part of the schedule. In fact, we we discussed it on this increasingly pod, uh, popular podcast before about how this was kind of part of the the year that they were going to have to weather and and wait for the schedule to kind of ease up a little bit that they've played 13 of the 14 against the Western conference, which again, I believe is going to be the superior conference when all is said and done. Um, just everybody in the conferences has, has playoff hopes at least. Um, they haven't had any, any kind of breaks there. Um, I believe 10 of the 14 games have been against teams that made the playoffs last year. And, and not all of those are, our teams that are that are soaring these days. I mean, they they caught the Rockets on a down week. Um, they caught, um, you know, the, <laughs> Oklahoma City's in that group. They might not be a playoff team, but they this is probably the tougher part of their schedule. And for them to come out of it eight and six bodes well. You think for for the hopes the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, they've weathered it and they've showed us something um, that, that they can at least um, compete with these kind of teams. Where I would caution Spurs fans is there seems to be the, I mean, just because the schedule gets easier, this isn't a team that can just sort of take its foot off the gas pedal and, and coast against the quote unquote lesser teams, though. Uh, this came up a couple times in the last week where, you know, the Spurs lost that game to Houston where Houston only had nine players available and Spurs fans are freaking out. Like, how could this happen? I had a guy tweet me at halftime yesterday against Portland. You know, they're playing Portland with two, two starters out. How can they only be ahead by five at halftime with Portland shorthanded? And it's just like, there's no supposed to with the, these are games they're supposed to win. Well, there's no supposed to right. with this team. He's like that old, was it Clint Eastwood, you know, deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> To, 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 to Gene Hackman. Um, Forgiven. Yep. Um, and I mean, you know, that Houston game, what was so disappointing about it was that they, they knew what was going to happen. They knew Houston, you know, having shed themselves of, uh, of um, James Harden, Harden we're, James Harden, we're, we're going to come out like they did and they said all the right things before the game, but they still didn't match that intensity early. And Pop, rightfully so, was livid after the game. Uh, that was that was uh, very upsetting and disappointing to him. It's just and the Spurs just aren't 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 good enough to weather that kind of you know lapse or a night where they don't shoot well or a night where turnovers are high, which they haven't had a lot of those, or a night where they're just killed on. Like they don't they have to do a lot of things, a lot of little things right. Whereas the old Spurs, they could just out execute, out execute you and Tim, Tony and Manu and Kawhi you to death at a lot larger, uh, wider margin for error. And this team doesn't have that. There's no supposed to. And to, to, to defend them a bit. And, and on the note, Jeff's talking about no supposed to's. I mean, they're not the only team that has, has let up in situations like that. You go back to the old cube stakes game where um, all the Spurs stars came home from Miami 
on the Southwest yep. flight and, and my, the, the, all the backups with the Spurs that year pushed the, the world champion heat to the limit. I mean, it, it's just a natural thing that happens in the league. And you say the Spurs sometimes play down the competition, but that happens pretty much across the board. Um, you, right. We, we watched the Spurs do that for years to teams. Right. Pop would sit everybody and they'd be in the game or they'd win the game. That sort of thing. Yeah. That Cubes take game was fun. It's, I remember, remember talking, it was the big three and Danny Green going home. I remember Danny Green later is like, what am I doing on this bike? Yeah. Like, how did I get on this plane? I don't belong here. It was, kind was of it who, 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 uh, who coined the term Cube Stakes? Um, some irate fan that wrote in to either right. the heat or the NBA or pop that's or someone right. said, it's like, you pay for, you pay for, you pay for a steak dinner and then they bring you a cube steak. That was, it was, like cubes. it was a heat season ticket holder. That's who it was. Maybe that's who it yeah. was. Yeah. I think it was a guy. Yeah. It was the guy that was going to sue right. them or sue the league. Or right. I wonder how that lawsuit came out. Cube steak, round steak, chop steak. They're all good. Yeah. I like, Did you get a lot of that in Liverpool, Ringo. <laughs> Uh, round steak. When I was a kid, we ate a lot of round steak with uh, onions and peppers. Yeah, my mom made that a lot. That's good. That's good. In, in Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... you know, another thing that's so fascinating still is the, the road record. Um, you know, six and two on the road, that whole dynamic of, you know, no real home court advantage during uh, this COVID uh, season. Just to see them play so well on the road, something we haven't seen lately, is is pretty pretty fascinating to me. And then and then the flip side is I only have two wins at home. Yeah, and one of them, one of them is that one that Lamarcus bailed them out against Toronto at the end, and then against the uh, seven player Houston Rockets. So they're it's, they they're not exactly setting the world on fire at home. I think it just goes to what we've been talking about. There's just nothing. There's no such thing as a home court advantage. Well, it doesn't exist. Well, it's just a it's just a sign that uh, it's just a sign that they have no championship hopes or championship medal at all. If 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 you can play well on the road and not at home, I'm being told I'm, I'm getting a I'm getting a notice here that the Los Angeles Lakers this season are seven and zero away from home and four and four at the Staples Center. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's happening to everybody. Um, this, this just in. This, this just in. The Lakers. Did have, you touch your earpiece? I did. Did you touch your? Did, are we yeah. not on video? Well, you're uh, not. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. The Lakers are, have lost four times at home this year, and they're undefeated away from home. It's just a weird year. Um, you know, on the on the broadcast, which we're all, uh, you know, we're we're not. Most of us aren't watching in person anymore, so we're watching on the broadcast. And Sean Elliott keeps bringing up that. Perhaps when you go on the road, you just have a tendency to focus in a little bit more. And, and you know, that combined with the non-home court advantage for the other team, mm-hmm. maybe that's why we're seeing these weird home road splits across the league. That'd be something to ask the players about, I guess. I mean, I, you know, Sean talks, so I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's always on point. Well, that, well for years, there's, there, there have been jokes around the NBA about the, the, the point spread, um, kind of adjustments that, that need to be made following teams uh, spending a night in Miami or in LA or all these places where guys go out and, you know, a day game after a night spent in LA or Miami or whatever, or wherever, New Orleans, New, New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans, New Orleans yeah. is the bugaboo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're not there's allowed no to leave the hotel anymore. Yeah. So now there's no such thing as the South beach flu anymore. It's just, it's just COVID. It's just COVID. That's it. No more South Beach flu. But I, I think that happens even in 
you know, um, San Antonio got the, when the teams come in the night before, they're not going anywhere other than the hotel. And, and that's kind of evening out in terms of the home court advantage. And back in the day, they used to just rage at Dick's last resort until, right. until closing time. Right. What's the piano bar on the river walk that I know that was <laughs> Howl at the moon. Howl at the moon. Yeah. But on, on the flip side of that, Okay, if you're a kid, if you're, if you're one of these 30 something uh, players that the Spurs have who have kids at home, and Jeff, you can kind of speak to this, you might be at a disadvantage if you're sleeping in your own bed with your family around, as opposed to the players who are coming in and staying at the Grand Hyatt or the, you know, wherever downtown. And this is true. This is why I, I try not to sleep at home with my family around. There you go. So, um, yes, since, since our last podcast, and we're moving. For the next few weeks to Tuesdays, based on the schedule, we don't want to record the morning of games just to kind of be more timely for our our burgeoning, booming audience out there uh, who also, I'm sure, is visiting ExpressNews.com and subscribing to the Spurs Nation newsletter to get all the updates from our entire staff, Spurs coverage, local news coverage, all that stuff. Um since last week, there there was more than just that Portland game. There were the two Houston games we talked about. They they beat Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City. Um, on those two Rockets games, I, I found it interesting yesterday uh, with Patty Mills on the Zoom after the Portland game talking about how bad of a matchup that was for uh, the, the Houston game for LaMarcus Aldridge and really for the team in general. And I, I think... Um, that sounds weird because Houston was so shorthanded and they didn't have James Harden, but we, we tend to overlook just minor things that might not present perfect matchups for, for teams that even, even might appear to be huge favorites. I mean, he, he pointed out that you know, Marcus didn't want to play against, not didn't want to play, but that's not a great matchup for him. And Portland is a better matchup than Houston is. Yeah, and Pop Pop mentioned that uh, after the after that second Houston game too, when I asked him specifically about Lamarcus, and then I was reminded, you know, they played Houston twice in the preseason, mm-hmm. and Pop mentioned it there too, not just regarding Lamarcus, but the whole team, like almost like I wish we did, I wish two of our preseason games were not against Houston because they junk stuff up so much that you can't really work on what you want to work right. on. Right. So there is something there where the, the the matchup is just weird and wonky, and the the Spurs really. They didn't handle it well either night, but they were able to to come out with a win the second night, even though they got bombed from the three-point line that second night. It was the first night this year where they lost the three-point battle by more than two three-pointers and and won the game. So usually when they're getting – that's probably true for every team in the league. That's the way the league has gone. If you're getting just massacred from the three-point line, you're just not going to win those games. That was the one night they were able to pull it off. But, again, Houston just junks things up. Very switchy. Um, you can't really do the things you normally do against. Them. On, on that note, why they're, why they're like not a great team, I don't know. Because everyone hates playing them. On that note of um, of, of of Houston and, and how they junk things up, and and you're a guy who's covered this team for thirteen years, and you're you just turned thirty since I was thirty. You just turned thirty when, so. when he was thirteen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just turned thirty, so you've been around a long time. Um, where would Christian Wood rank among uh, anti-Spurs all-stars in terms of guys who might not be be well-known but always kill the Spurs. Is Ricky Rubio on that list? Who who else is on that list? Yeah, it seems like in 13 years that list has gotten 
huge. But yeah, he'd be on that list. Like back in the day, it was like Jared Jack. Oh, yeah. Always seemed to come up with something. Um, there were some guys that would just come up with a game out of nowhere, like Langston Galloway. Um, uh, Reggie Jackson was that for a little while when he was with the Thunders. Right. There's a guy with Denver that killed him for a while. A little little guard. Uh, Dan Issel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's call Monroe and ask oh, yeah, him. Thank you. I think yeah. we need to get Monroe on the on the podcast sometime. You know, you know, but probably like so first old guys all came to play last night was one Michael J. Monroe. I don't know if his middle name is Jay, but I just like, yeah. I bet he was just ecstatic. Yeah. Like I bet he was like putting down his prune juice, jumping out of his 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 sofa, knocking over his bedpan, like so happy that the old people came to play. Something, something canasta. Something, something canasta. <laughs> we should uh we should uh, uh telegraph him and see how he's doing. We should, but that's that's for a time off the podcast. Um, where what, what to to kind of take stock. After 14 games, how much has your opinion of this team changed um, over the past month? Is, is are you pleasantly surprised? Are they about where you thought they'd be? Where what, what's the what's the status report? I mean, I'm the dude. I'm the dude that said on the first podcast of the season that they might end up being the worst team in the in the West. So obviously, I've been impressed. Rango, they have exceeded my. Yeah, they, I thought it was interesting last night that Pop and DeMar both pointed out, you know, everyone's had problems and certainly the Spurs, their issues with COVID and injury aren't as, as um, you know, as intense as what some of the other teams have gone through, but still there, there's been a certain amount of adversity that they've weathered and, you know, um, the injuries, the freak injury to Derek White, um, you know, L.A. being out for a while. Uh, DeMar, you know, sadly going through what he's going through with his father. And then, you know, Becky, Becky Hammond being out with COVID protocols, Drew Eubanks. You know, they've got a young team. Uh, they've had a tough schedule, a lot of a lot of road games. So, you know, they do have something to be proud of in the way they've weathered this and, and gotten through it with the record that they have. I mean, if you had told me they were going to be eight and six and only get two two games from Drew Eubanks, I would have been like, "Boy, howdy!" In in all seriousness, you know, people have pointed out that yeah, they played this tough schedule, but they they got Houston when they were down, and um, you know, Portland had a couple starters out yesterday, but they played thirteen out of fourteen games without Derek White, who is expected to be a major part of what they're going to do, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, they they have as much. Maybe not as much right as as a Houston Rockets who had the whole world upended by this hardened thing, but they, you know, they they certainly haven't had everything go perfectly, like Tom pointed out. And to, no, and, and Demar Demar mentioned just the travel during COVID, just everything, you know, the the protocols, everything that you have to go through. Yes, it's not as uh, you know, it hasn't been as as um, tough to overcome as other teams, but you know, it's tough on every team right now. Right. Right. Um, what, what stood out from the past four games that we haven't mentioned yet? Um, I know the Oklahoma city game feels like it was, a a year ago, but, um, any, any, any interesting trends or, 
uh, nuggets that have that have developed over the past week? No, the ball movement is still the the way they protect the ball and don't don't commit turnovers. That's still just so impressive. With again, with a young team that didn't have a lot of practice time and and uh, you know missing Derek White, uh, the way they've been moving the ball and protecting it is is pretty darn impressive as well. What was the stat you pointed out to Bob yesterday, Tom? The two two people with assists. Yeah, Derek. I mean, um, Dejounte. And Demar, the first guys to have um, you know ten or more assists, multiple players with ten or more assists since '96, wow. when it was uh, Avery Johnson and our friend Sean Elliott, friend of the broadcast. I can't believe Sean, Sean ever had eleven assists. <laughs> that had to have been a had to have been a typo. Had to have been a typo. But and speaking of him, though, I think old ball player Murray is playing his ever loving butt off for lately. He is. Yeah. For them, we sort it's he's sort of a guy that. I don't know if taking him for granted is the right term, but we, we overlook him because he's been around of all the, the quote unquote young guys. He's been around the longest. Um, but coming into this season, you knew he, he was a guy who had to kind of uh, prove that he was worth the, the contract that he got a, a year ago to, to kind of take the next step. And that, I know that's a really, really, really lame cliche, but it's, I guess cliches are cliches for a reason. They, he needed to take that next step into becoming a um, frontline NBA starting point guard. And, and so far he's been doing that. And it's, it's been more fun to talk about Keldon and Devin Vassell and the old guys and stuff like that. But DeJounte has been a pretty steadying, um, consistent force. What, which game was it that Pop said that they ran the same play about 12 times in the second half? DeJounte made a different read on all 12 and it was all the right read. Yeah, that's stuff that's impressed me. I mean, yeah, Dejounte's finishing at the rim more than he used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's knocking down that that um, you know crossover two pointer more than he used to. His three point game is, I mean, it used to be dreadful, and now it's a little better than that. But the thing that's impressed me has been the, deci- the decision making. Um, his turnovers are down. Um, there was a play they showed last night on the broadcast where he's he's in the lane. He's got four guys around him. Um, if he tries to throw it to the guy in the corner, it probably gets picked off, but he kind of is able to flip it back to the top of the key to, I believe, Patty Mills for a wide open three. All those decis- decision makings from DeJounte, decision makings from DeJounte. You know, the, the, the thing I like about him, too, is, you know, he, he really, really tries to take on that leadership role. He's, you know, he's encouraging uh, to the to the other guys. Um, he says says the right things about accountability and, um, you know, you can roll your eyes at some of it, I guess, but I, I like it. I like how he just, he embraces what, what he's supposed to be doing as a point guard. Well, and he's in an interesting spot with this team because, you know, they have the four quote unquote veterans, the guys over 30. Um, but other than them, he's been here for five years. So he's still a young guy, but he's kind of a vet. To the vets, he's a young guy, but to the guys younger than him, which there are a lot of, he's sort of like the, the, the old wizened uh, point guard. So he's kind of in between there. And it's interesting to me um, to see him sort of, you know, walk that line and be a leader to, to both camps. Right? On, on very few. It's not unlike our staff with your with your youth, you know, <laughs> stepping up. That's true. On very few. Fingers the old guy. On very few teams in the league. um would would Dejounte still be considered a young guy? You know, f- f- yeah. most most players aren't in one spot for five years, and he's still yeah. 
it, it's funny that he kind of gets lumped into that. He was, he was drafted obviously at a young age and, and uh, there's so many older guys on the team, but you're, you're right. That's a, that's a fascinating dynamic for him and to be in kind of different people to different players on the team to, to LaMarcus or Patty. He's, he's the kid, but to all those young guys, he's, he's the veteran. So I, I, I think it's, it can be tricky probably for a guy in his position to thread that needle, but he's, he's doing it well. Um, and I mentioned, I mentioned this on Twitter last night. We had the guy that just emailed us incessantly about him for three years, <laughs> uh, you know, just complaining, just ridiculous complaints, complaints that didn't make sense. I, I might have blocked him at one point just because it was just getting old. Yeah. Uh, haven't heard from that guy in a while. Maybe it's cause I blocked him. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it, one of those one of those goals for this season when when you look back to early December, what did they need to get out of this year? We weren't talking about making the playoffs. We were talking about um, little individual successes for players to take steps forward to show that they can be part of the core in the future and and you can check that one off the list. Dejounte's doing it and and the fact that all this is happening while they are at the moment you know, in the fifth seed in the West, which may or may not continue. Um, there's just a lot of things to be enthused about with this team uh, moving forward. And and as we look into the next week or so, are, are, are things going to lighten up a little bit? Or There's there's still a game Wednesday at wow. the Stephen Curry uh, Golden State Warriors. Um, and, and after that, Mike, they've got nine of 11 at the – you know, not so friendly confines of AT and T Center. So, yeah, and and it's because the coyote isn't there. I see. That's the whole thing. You need that little pantsless weasel to, to show up and give the team some some juice at home. I blame it all on the coyote or the wolf, as Jess Kersey used to call him. The uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the wolf is out of here. In addition to home games, there's going to be some, finally some Eastern Conference games too. Not not in the next couple of days, but I believe the Wizards come in on Saturday and then Wizards, Hornets are, I can't, I haven't looked at that part. Yeah, the Boston, Wizards are near Boston. Boston. On January 27th. So they're catching Dallas in that homestand at a time where Dallas is not, is not, uh, not, not feeling it. They're in a rug. The Mavs are in a rugged part of their schedule down some bodies. So again, might be one of those where they're catching a team at the right time or the wrong time, depending on what kind of energy you can muster. Well, we're we're winding down here towards the end, but one one note to finish on that I just thought of in the middle of Jeff's um, expert analysis there about the Coyote. Remember last year we we talked about heading it. What 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 gave the Spurs an advantage heading into the the what was what the 2019 2020 season was that they had this continuity uh, that the rest of the league might not have had. And that was supposed to pay off for them while other teams were trying to figure out what they had. That, that's almost been the case this year. Um, Cause you look around at Dallas at Houston at um, Denver at, uh, you know, name, name, name the team in the, in the West that isn't playing that well. Um, everyone's kind of scuffling and the Spurs, the team that just kind of has everybody back that didn't make much of an off season splash at all is doing pretty well. And maybe, maybe we were right about the analysis a year ago. It just kind of was, uh, it hit the snooze button for a year to, to where it actually came into effect. Yeah. They changed the way they played too, which is where that, you know, 
it'd be interesting to go back and pinpoint where they made that switch. We always think of it as just their bubble ball. Right. But Pop seems to seems to think well, we were doing this all last year. We've this we've been doing this for so um wherever you see that that switch happening, that's where the you really start the clock on the on the continuity. Yeah, it, it might it might have taken a while for the, that change to to click in. So uh things are things are trending upward both for the local cagers, for the booming podcast, maybe for society in general. Uh, we always like to leave you on an up note. Things are looking better. Uh, what society are you living in? I just think that it's, it, <laughs> as always, you know, it pays to be optimistic. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Let me, let me jump in real quick for one second because uh, you're speaking about our audience and stuff. I'd, I'd like everyone to leave more reviews because so far we don't, we have some really great reviews, but we have a couple not so great reviews. I sent them to you guys in the chat if you guys want to see them. Oh, no. Where's the chat? <laughs> Let's see here. I'm going to read one out loud to you. Let's see. This podcast is this podcast has a great host, but frequent guest Jeff McDonald, while sometimes insightful, can come off as very condescending. Yeah, I believe McDonald and Mike Finger take turns fondling each other after each podcast <laughs> and after each tweet they send out. The only Twitter guy we should pick on is Jeff. Praising each other on who was the most condescending that day. It really baffles me how they are still employed. Uh, and I, I told my mom I've to stop leaving comments on these, on these things. <laughs> I told my mom to cut it out. No more, <laughs> no more comments and reviews on the podcast. All right. So you want to sign us off, Mike? <laughs> and so to, uh, to finish this off this week, we always like to finish on a high note. The Spurs are, uh, are playing better. Um, a lot of things to be optimistic about and as always we like to tell everybody to take care of each other and to keep it real.